0: Who are we? Specifically, who are we in Christ Jesus? Okay, I'm going to start off here by reading a scripture out of the 139th Psalm. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. And are acquainted in all my ways, for there is not a word in my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before, and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful me for, too wonderful for me. It is high; I cannot attain it. Father, as we come uh, into your presence the, this morning, Lord, and as I uh, Deliver the second half of this message about who we are in Christ Jesus, Lord. I pray that you would speak to all of our hearts. Give us a real uh, spiritual touch, Lord. And help us, Lord, to have the strength, Lord, through the word that I'm about to deliver to your people. And, Lord, the strength to stand up to the enemy and his lies in our lives. And, Lord, we thank you that your word is truth. Lord, you said to, you prayed for your father to sanctify us through uh, his word, and his word is truth. So breathe this truth into our hearts now, Lord God, and uh, help us, Lord God, to be able to stand firm against the wiles of the enemy, Lord, who would seek to condemn us, Lord, and uh, make us feel like we're not worth anything because we know that we're worth so much to you, Lord. We're worth enough, Lord, that you sent your son to hang there on the cross and uh, pour out his precious blood for us. And uh, forgive us, Lord God, for all of our sins. Thank you, Lord. Bless this word now, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. uh, Last week, I began a little mini-series about who we are, in Christ Jesus. You know, I wanted to look at our identity in Christ. Specifically, who are we in Christ Jesus? As most of you know, you know, what I've been preaching on mostly before then was uh, on spiritual warfare. I was getting a little burnout with that, so I decided to give you something light for a uh, couple of Sundays anyway. Special focus of this series is on the book of Ephesians, which is packed full of truth about your identity in Christ. We also focused a lot on the 139th Psalm, uh, and we saw from that particular Psalm that God knows us inside out. He knows whatever we're doing, and so that ought to sober us up and make sure that you know we need to look at our lives and make sure that we're doing everything that is right and pleasing in His sight. We also saw that because God cannot lie, as we read in Titus chapter 1, verse 2, uh, which tells us that what he says about uh, us in his word is untarnished. And it's a rock-solid fact. In a world that is full of uncertainty, there is comfort and strength in knowing that the unchanging truth of who we are in Christ Jesus is found right there in his word. This series focuses on 10 of these truths about who we are in Christ Jesus. Now, I covered the first five last week. If you weren't here, just briefly, those five that I talked about is, number one, we are God's beloved. He loves you more than you can comprehend. And Paul prays in his second Ephesian prayer, the second, uh, uh, the last part of uh, Ephesians chapter three, 3. He prays that we might be able to comprehend the breadth and length and depth and height. And to know, to experience the love of God, that we might attain all the fullness of God. If you're not familiar with those Ephesian prayers, I would uh, suggest that you get familiar with them. The last part of Ephesians chapter 1 is the first prayer. And the last part of Ephesians chapter 3 is the second one. Second of all, you are his masterpiece. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. God is in the process of making a masterpiece out of you. Not just any common, ordinary piece of work. You are to be God's masterpiece. You are a unique creation. And as I mentioned last week, that means we're not to try to be anybody else. I don't want to be anybody else but Clifford Smart. That's who I want to be, and I want to attain to the fullness of God in my life. There are many people that are more gifted than me. Many people have talents that I don't have. But I'm a unique creation, and I want to achieve everything that God has for me. And the same should be true in your life. You should say, God, especially if you're young, just starting out in life. You know, you've got your whole future ahead of you. So get close to Jesus and let him mold and make your life into what, that which is uh, pleasing in his sight. Thirdly, we are chosen. We were just saying about that in uh, uh, I Am Who I Say I Am, that song. I am chosen. I am not forsaken. I was chosen from the foundation of the world. We read that in Ephesians chapter 1. And this shows all of us our importance to Him. We are important to to Him. Everybody say that. I am important to God. I am important to God. Fourthly, we saw that we are holy. We are sanctified, holy means to be set apart. Sanctified, set apart from him, from this present evil world. We're to be set apart, we are set apart, and we're to live holy lives too. That means we are to act like we are holy and live that holy life. The fifth thing that we looked at last week is we are forgiven. We're not to l- listen to the condemnation of the devil. If we sin and we fall, then we confess it to God and he will remove that guilt trip that the devil is trying to put on you. What does 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 say? If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, now starting today, number six. Who we are in Christ Jesus, we are a new creation. It says, you were taught in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 and 24. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by sin in its, being corrupted by its, deceitful desires to be made whole, to be, be, be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self. Everybody say that. We're to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now that old self that the scripture is referring to is the old sinful nature that all of us are born with. There's not a single person in here that was not born with that sin nature. And anybody that has kids knows that. One of the first words that the uh, a young child learns is spelled M-I-N-E. Mine. That's my book. As those are my toys. You know. We're selfish. We're all born with this selfish, sinful nature. We want to gratify ourselves. And that's why we have to learn to put off that old self, that old sin nature. We are to crucify it in a spiritual sense. Paul wrote in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We also see this in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through, and 4, and also uh, verse 6 tells us, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism unto death. That is, the, the old self, that old man, that old carnal nature was to be buried with him by baptism unto death. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. That newness of life is the new self. Verse six of Romans chapter six, knowing this that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Now, when I went through the water baptism, we had water baptism here. The Sunday after Easter, Dolly got baptized And Jewel got uh, baptized. You know, Sean and uh, uh, Grace's uh, young daughter. And I mentioned the fact that that's why the only valid baptism is by immersion. Not by sprinkling or pouring. Because it's supposed to simulate a dead body that is the old self being buried. You don't bury away a, ba- uh, a body by just sprinkling a, li- a little bit or pouring a little bit of dirt on it. It has to be a burial. You know, uh, Dolly got saved uh, some uh, uh, almost 40 years ago, but she was baptized by sprinkling. And I said, uh, no, you, you need to be baptized by immersion. Okay? That immersion gives you a word picture of... Of your old self being dead and buried away, and now you come forth in a resurrection, and that's the new life that you we are to uh, <clears throat> walk in newness of life. Okay, the new nature is raised to life again. Paul also writes in Colossians chapter one verse. Uh, I'm sorry, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. He says, if then you were raised with Christ, if you've been raised out of that baptism, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, that old nature died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ is our, who is our life appears, then you will appear also with him in glory. Therefore put to death your members which are on earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So verses 1 and 2 there in Colossians chapter 3 speak of this new nature, whereas verses 3 and 5 allude to that old nature. where to put to death this old nature manifested in the areas spoken about there in verse 5. And note also verse 4, which tells us in effect, you know what it says in effect? It says live for eternity. Don't live for the temporal things that are here on this earth. Now, when Jesus traded us for our sin, what we received in exchange was his good and perfect life. The old self was crucified. We just read about that in Romans 6.6. 6. And we now have a new life to Christ. So we are to throw off the filthy rags of our own self. Isaiah 64, verse six, says that we are as an unclean thing and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We can never justify ourselves before God on our own righteousness. You stand before God someday and God asks you why He should let you into heaven? You don't say, well, I've been a good person, I've done this, I've done that. And lift all of the things that you do, because that means nothing to God. It's only the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You put on Jesus Christ and his righteousness. And that's how you can stand there dressed not in the filthy rags of your own self-righteousness but the pure and spotless righteousness of Jesus Christ in the presence of God. So now we are free to walk in freedom and joy, clothed in the righteousness of Christ. We may feel weighted down by our past, but the truth is God has given you a clean slate. He's given you a fresh start if you are in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse eight, uh, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. And only born-again Christians have this new creation in him or her. This new creation will last for eternity. The seventh thing that we read from Scripture about who we are in Christ, we are redeemed. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Now the Greek word here for redemption is very interesting. You know what it means? It means purchased from the slave market of sin and totally set free. Before Jesus rescued you, you were a slave of Satan. You were bound to keep serving him, serving Satan by continuing to sin and eventually joining him in his eternal doom. But we're free now. We're freed from that slave market of sin. John chapter eight, verses 34 through 36, Jesus answered them, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. He's talking about whoever continues to commit sin, is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the Son, Jesus Christ the Son, makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Now what that song was saying too? Who the Son set free is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Jesus rescued us. By paying a ransom price in full. What was the last thing that Jesus said there? Was he hung on the cross? He said, it is finished. That's an accounting term. Also used when a prisoner was imprisoned prison back in those days. They had the charge posted on the door of his cell. And how long he was to serve there. And when this sentence was up, then they wrote in there, tetelestai, the Greek word tetelestai, which means paid in full. So when Jesus died there on the cross, his last words were paid in full. It is finished. He has paid the penalty of sin for every human being on this earth. Past, present, and future. He paid it. And so the heavy chains of sin dropped from our wrists and ankles and neck. And he led us from Satan's dark, uh, dank uh, workhouse out into the sunshine and fresh air. So maybe you feel trapped in fear. Or tied to that sinful habit. That you just can't seem to break. But the truth is. Jesus Christ the son of God. Has set you free. Colossians chapter 1 verses 13 and 14. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. And brought us into the kingdom of his. The son he, whom he loves. In whom we have redemption. The forgiveness of sins. Now, Jesus said this earlier, back there in that passage in John chapter 8, we read verses 34 through 36, but in verse 32, he said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. The word there in the Greek means knowledge, not just head knowledge, it means experiential knowledge. What's the difference? Some of you uh, young people, you've started driving a car, right? You go to Driver's Ed, you learn all about driving a car. You learn how to, you know, turn the key, put the car into gear, and, uh, you know, release the parking brake and then press the accelerator, and you're off, hopefully, to the races. That's head knowledge. You know about driving a car, but you only know what it is like when you experience it. Same thing with people. You know, I can read up on the, uh, uh, you know, the President of the United States, know all about him, where he was born, you know, what he did throughout his life. But that's not the same as actually meeting him. And better yet, spending time with him. That's experiential knowledge. That's personal knowledge. Not just head knowledge. Personal knowledge. And Jesus wants you to experience the freedom that you have. Experience the truth. You will experience the truth. And then you will be set free. Hallelujah. Okay, the eighth thing that we are in Christ Jesus, we are worth more than gold. Paul writes there in Ephesians 1, 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. You know, it's been said that you can tell how much you are worth by the price that has been paid for you. You were bought, brothers and sisters, by the blood of the Son of God. All the money, the jewels, the gold, the silver, precious things in the world could not have paid for your ransom. Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. That's speaking about the sin nature, once again, handed down from your ancestors. You inherited that sin nature from your ancestors but with the precious blood of Christ, with a lamb without spot or blemish. I think it's significant. He he calls gold and silver corruptible things. Normally we think that gold and silver are not corruptible. You You know, you heat them up, you try to purify them. But Peter calls them corruptible things. And precious stones too. You know what happens when you stick a diamond into a fire? What happens to it? It's just uh, crystallized carbon, so that diamond will burn up. The most precious diamond in the world, you throw it into a fire and it burns up. It's gone. And that's the way the things of the earth are. They are corruptible. They're going to not last but Jesus' blood is pure, and that's what bought our ransom. You know, many times we look at the price of something we want, and we see how much it is, and we choose not to buy it. Right now, Joe Biden wants us to go out and buy electric cars. Right? good electric car is going to set you back about maybe... Sixty, eighty, a hundred thousand dollars. How many of you can afford that? I know I can't. So it's out for me. I can't afford it. We decide that these things are too expensive. Jesus knew what it would cost to redeem you, and he chose to pay that. Price. So you may feel insignificant. You may sometimes you feel like you're worthless. Do you ever feel like that? You know, what's my life really worth? Well, you look at what Jesus paid for you, and that tells you that you're not worthless. You're someone very precious in his sight. Jesus declared your value when he paid for you. With his own blood. And Paul reminds us of our value to him. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verses 19 through 20. Or do you not know that your body. Is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Who is in you. That's why you live a holy life. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Who is in you. Whom you have from God. And you are not your own. For you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are the Lord's. So since we have been bought with such a costly price, ought we not then to live lives that are pleasing to him? The ninth thing is we are children of the king. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. In love he predestined us for the adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. So God did not rescue you and just you know, go on your merry way. Now he wants you to follow him, right? You're his child. You ever notice a young child? How he will, he or she will follow his father and mother everywhere. That's what we're to do with the, the Lord. He did not rescue us and send us on his way. He bought you brought you into his family, and adopted you as his own. It says there in uh, John chapter 1, verse 12, But as many as received him to them, he gave the authority to become the children of God to those who believe on his name. So you may feel unloved and alone, but if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you are he the treasured child of the king of kings. Hallelujah. John writes in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that's what we are. The reason why the world does not know us is it did not know him. How are we God's children? Remember, Jesus is the Son of God by nature. John 1 1. Everybody should know that one. John 1 1. In the beginning with the Word, the Word was with God. Actually, the Word reads, the Word was toward God. And it's a picture of intimacy. The Word was face to face with God. Through eternity past the Father with face to face in an intimate relationship. Intimacy like what we, we just can't comprehend. Face to face with God and the Word was God. The Word was God the Son. So Jesus is the Son of God by nature. But we are not Sons of God or children of God by nature, we are children of God by adoption. He adopted us into his family. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 16. For as many as were led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. That word Abba there is a picture of intimacy. It's equivalent to our word, Daddy. We can say to God our Father, Daddy, he's our beloved Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So if you know Jesus Christ, you're a child of the king. Amen. Everybody say that. I'm a child of the king. I'm a child of the king. Now there's one caveat I want to make to this though. I want to uh, don't, don't go too far with this. You know, so many people go running around here and they're saying, I'm a king's kid. You know, and you are, but that doesn't mean that you're immune from suffering. You know, doesn't mean you have this special privilege that you're going to be spared from disease or poverty. Does not mean that. And so many people think that. And you get sick and they go up to you. What are you sick for? You're a king's kid. You shouldn't be sick. You ever hear that? Or, you know, you you say, well, I prayed for God to heal me and I haven't been healed. And they say, well, that's because you just don't have enough faith. That's not true. It's cruel to tell somebody that. The fact is, in this life, we are not immune from sickness. We're not immune from poverty. And I've pointed this out before. Look at the Smyrna church there in Revelation chapter 2. They were undergoing suffering, horrible suffering, horrible persecution. And they were in poverty. Jesus says I know that your works you know I know that you're suffering want right now but then he put added but you are rich they were poor materially but they were rich spiritually and many times that's exactly what happens is we suffer poverty you know we don't even know where our next meal is going to come from our next paycheck living hand to mouth but that should just drive you to your knees that much more or maybe you suffer sickness and you pray and pray and pray for God's healing when you undergo trials and suffering like this it either makes you a better person or it makes you a bitter person the choice is yours I choose when I undergo trials that I'm going to be a better person, not a bitter person. It's just gonna drive me to my knees that much more and so I can get get closer to God. You know, overseas, especially in Muslim lands, our brothers and sisters are undergoing horrible persecution. They don't know if that knock on the door is gonna be somebody to haul them away to prison Or even death. Are we more spiritual than they are? No, they're even closer to God than we are. So never think that you're privileged. You know the privilege you have as a king's kid? You know what it is? You have a relationship as a child of God, a relationship, a father-son or father-daughter relationship with the living God. And that should be enough for us. Amen? Don't become a Christian because you think it's going to make you wealthy. Probably you won't. Get your relationship with God because he is worth it. Everybody say that. He is worth it. The relationship with God alone is enough. Okay, last of all, we are heirs of God. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing your inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Also, Observe that when God adopted you, he granted you full rights as one of his children. It's so staggering, but it's true. You are now a sibling and a co-heir of Jesus Christ. Jesus, the heir of all things. Romans chapter 8, verse 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we, what's that word? suffer with him. Well, I thought if we were a king's kid, we don't suffer. Just ask the apostles how much they suffered from for the cause of Christ. Every one of them died a martyr's death. Except for the apostle uh, John. And he suffered too. They tried to kill him too. They tried to put him in a... uh, that of boiling oil. But he wouldn't burn because God wasn't finished with him. So they exiled him to the Isle of Patmos where he wrote the book of Revelation. God will only take your life when he's finished with you. Okay? So if you're his child, live for him. If we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together with Him. Okay, I'm almost finished here. That scripture that tells us that we are joint heirs with Christ says that in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2. It says, And it has in these last days He spoken unto us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom He also made the worlds. So what will Jesus inherit? It says all things. Tells us in Psalm two, verse eight. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. And we're told something about that for us too. What's Matthew five five say in the Beatitudes? Blessed are the meek, for they will. Inherit the earth. So the wonder of it. Our inheritance as God's child is his kingdom and everlasting life in which to enjoy with him. He tells us that those of us that win his favor. He says, come you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And finally, Titus chapter 3, verse 7, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So brothers and sisters, you may feel like a nobody, but if you know Jesus Christ, you are heir to the kingdom of God and eternal life with the one who loves you most. Okay, so in conclusion, what have we learned? Who are we in Christ Jesus? You are God's beloved. He loves you more than you can possibly comprehend. Not in this life anyway. Number two, you are his masterpiece. Not just some common, ordinary work of art. And he is working into you the conformity to his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Number three, you are chosen. Chosen from the foundation of the world. He foreknew you and chose you if you have received the Lord Jesus Christ into your life. You're holy. You're set apart. And the lesson for that is then let's act like it. Let's act like holy people. Number five, you're forgiven. All of your sins, past, present, and future, are forgiven. So never allow uh, the devil, if you slip in some kind of sin, don't allow him to put a guilt trip on you. Not if you confess that sin. What does it mean to confess? Confess. The word there, confess, means to agree with. You agree with God. This is sin. This is wrong. The thing that I did. I agree with it. I did this, Lord, and I'm sorry. And I willingly repent of that sin. And then you say that, it says that God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Number six, you are a new creation. Any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. So we need, again, we need to act like new creations. Amen? Number seven, we are redeemed. We're not only redeemed, but we're redeemed by something that is more precious than gold and silver, and that is the precious blood of Christ. So we are worth more than gold. Ninth, we are a child of the King. You've been adopted into His family. You'll never be a child of God by nature like Jesus is, but you can be adopted into His family simply by receiving Christ into your life. And number 10, You are an heir of God. Jesus has been appointed heir of all things and you are a joint heir with him. So, you've inherited so much. Now all of this should make us respond to the Lord in the best way possible. And that is to love him for what he has done for us. Can you say amen to that? So I'd like everybody to just bow their heads in uh, prayer right now. And as I look around this room, there's some uh, here that I don't know, at least not well. And uh, there's anybody here that has not received the Lord Jesus Christ into their life. Just raise up your hand. And if you have not received him, and while your head is bowed, you can just repeat after me this prayer. Father, I come to you. And I know that you sent your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to come here and to show us as broken, fallen humanity, what you are like through his teachings. And then he loved us so much that he went there to the cross and shed his precious blood on that cross for my sin. And Lord, I know it's true. And I'm a sinner. And I desperately need him in my life. So Lord, I just confess my sin. Lord, you said that if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just and will forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I willingly confess my sin. By doing this, I'm walking in your light. Lord, your word says that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, We have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ continues to cleanse us from all sin. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for visiting us in power and coming into my life as I invite the Lord Jesus Christ into my life so that I would become all that Pastor Cliff has been talking about today, that I am your beloved. I am your masterpiece. I am your chosen one. I am holy. I am forgiven. I am a new creation. I am redeemed. I am worth more than gold. I am a child of the King, and I am an heir of God, a joint heir with Christ. Thank you, Lord, for granting that to me now. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's go on ahead and uh, Sean is going to cue up the uh, final song there. So let's just uh, praise and worship the Lord. Hallelujah. How many of you feel secure in the Lord Jesus Christ now? Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for all that you have done for us, Lord. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would uh, just uh, cause these words that I've spoken here today to be burned into our hearts, Lord God. And Lord, help us to achieve all that you have for us, Lord. And, Lord, uh, defeat the wiles of the devil, Lord, as he would seek to put guilt trips on us and uh, tell us that we're worthless and uh, we'll never amount to anything because we know that uh, we will, Lord, as we submit our lives to you, Lord, we'll grow more in your grace each day. And uh, bless each person here, Lord God. And. Help us to sing to you, Lord, Lord, just like that song said, Lord, a hymn of praise. And love you, Lord, like never before. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Um, We need to go to the Lord in prayer. Okay, do we have any physical needs in the uh, congregation? Oh, you know, one thing I didn't mention is uh, I want to meet with the elders after church today. I'm sorry about that, I forgot to make that announcement. So uh, if you're an elder in the church, uh, uh, please meet with, we'll meet in the uh, back room over here. Mm -hmm. Um, physical needs in the congregation let's continue to hold up Pastor Sandra. don't see she did not come today but uh, even though she hasn't been coming very much especially since uh, Randy's untimely passing she still wants very much to Be a part of this congregation. So pray for her uh, to overcome the broken heart that she feels with Randy's passing. You know, we all feel that same sense of loss with him, but Pastor Sandra, of course, much more than any of the rest of us. Uh, Pray also because she's going to have an operation. I think it's going to be. On the 17th of uh, August, so about two and a half weeks. She's going to have uh, her leg operated on with the nerves. Okay, pray for uh, Susie's friend, uh, Worth with his eyes, they, they've they had cataract surgery, but uh, uh, it hasn't taken as well as he would like it to. Okay, other physical needs in the congregation? Okay, Dolly's uh, sister, Nit, um, she recently had the front half of her uh, foot taken off because of diabetes. Yes? Uh, um, continue to print for Aiden on his arm. Yes, to go see his specialist. I'm sorry, see? Aiden. Yeah. He has to go see his specialist. Okay. Aiden broke his arm a few weeks ago, and it's not healing up right, so he's going to go uh, see a specialist. Okay, other uh, prayer requests? Uh, Jewel hurt her knee, having trouble walking. Okay, other physical needs? Okay. John is the husband of uh, Dolly's friend. They live up in uh, Alaska and he had a uh, stroke. Any updates on it, sweetheart? Okay well you we need to pray for him cuz i don't know if he knows the lord jesus either Okay Tukata he has Okay Okay. Okay. other physical needs. Dolly has a praise offering. you know. She uh, passed her written test for driving. So she's out driving the road, so be be, be, be be, very careful while you're out there now. Now, she's uh, she has a Thai driver's license. She bro- drove in Bangkok, and she's braver than I am because I want no part of driving there in Bangkok. I'm just content to ride the buses and the SkyTrain when I'm there, you know. <laughs> Yeah. If you can drive in Bangkok, you can drive anywhere. Plus, they drive on the wrong side of the road, too. I remember that. Yeah. We, we, we drive on the right side, so they drive on the wrong side. Okay. So, anyway, pray for uh, Dolly to get the experience. Uh, we've been driving for about, uh, you know. Yeah, well, she, she's going to go for the driver's test at the end of August, but uh, she she had not driven for uh, about two years except for one brief time when we drove in Bangkok. <clears throat> so she was kind of tentative when we first started out, but she's getting more confident. And I tell her that, that you you got to do that. you got to exude confidence when you get tested, because if you're not confident, the uh examiner is going to see that and not going to pass you. So anyway, pray for her to uh, pass the uh, driver's test. Other physical needs? Okay, uh, we always pray for what? Rain. Rain. We got a little bit of it. But we need a lot more, at least in this area. Anyway, you know some of the uh, places. You know, I heard that there was some pretty bad flooding and uh, uh, lost wages. I call it lost wages anyway, because
1: you lose your wages there.
0: No. Uh, they they did get some uh, 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 substantial flooding there too, and uh, some of the other places. So we need rain around here. What's the problem with getting rain here, though? What follows the rain? The weeds. And then Pastor Cliff has got to come over here and try to dig them out or spray them, uh, do something like that. But we do need more rain here. Um, Okay, Uh, pray for our country. Pray for revival. Things are looking grimmer and grimmer these days. Economically and uh, what's happening on the international scene. And the only thing that is going to save this country right now is a genuine Holy Ghost revival. We haven't had one of those for many years maybe 50 years since the Jesus movement of the late 60s and 70s. But you know what the Word of God says? The Word of God says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against it. Okay? So that standard is going to be a Holy Ghost revival. So... We should be praying for that every day. Amen? Pray for revival. Pray for our leaders. And pray also for the upcoming election. Arizona, we've got uh, an election this Tuesday. Is everybody registered for that? Should be registered. And... uh, vote for the godly men and women to occupy the positions of leadership here in Arizona and also in the country. Okay, the leaders of this country will not repent and turn back and begin to rule and pass laws in ways that are godly, then we need to pray that they might be replaced and hopefully they will, will be replaced in his election. Okay, pray for the leaders, pray for intercessors. Ezekiel chapter twenty two, verses thirty and thirty one. God tells Ezekiel that he sought for a man who would stand in the gap, an intercessor that would stand in the gap, that his hand of judgment would not befall the nation. And says he found none, so therefore his judgment on the nation of Judah became irreversible. And I pray with all my soul, we have not crossed that line yet. So pray that God will raise up, pray that he'll raise you up as an intercessor and stand in the gap. I fully believe there's enough prayer power in this room right here. Stay the, God's hand of judgment, but we've got to be committed to it. Okay, other countries pray for Israel. Got Iran doing all that saber rattling. See, they're going to wipe Israel off the uh, uh, face of the map. Never going to happen, brothers and sisters. God is not going to permit it. Just have to pray uh, for God to do something about the situation. And he will in his own time. But pray for Israel. The Bible tells us to pray for the Jeru- uh, for the peace of Jerusalem. They will prosper, prosper spiritually if we do that. Okay, pray for Israel. Pray for uh, Ukraine Thailand. and Dolly's home country of Thailand and the neighboring country of Burma because Burma is going through the fire right now too. Okay, any other needs that we have out there? Okay, pray for our family and friends that's saved and unsaved. And unspoken requests. Who's got an unspoken request? Raise up your hand. You want God to meet it? You've got to lift up that hand. Lift it up high. Okay, let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we're finished for the uh, day here. Father God, I praise and thank you that uh, we are your children, Lord God. Those that have confessed you as our Lord and Savior have been adopted into your family. And Lord, we can go to you to approach you through the throne of grace, Lord, through the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of his name, and make our requests be made known to you, Lord. And Lord, that you listen to us, Lord. You desire for us to approach you, Lord. Sometimes it's just enough for us to just get quiet before you, Lord. And uh, feel your love and feel your presence, Lord God. That we can reach up to you and just say to you, Abba, Father, Daddy, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for that close, intimate relationship that you give us, Lord. And Lord, we just lift up to you our beloved uh, Pastor Sandra pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would just uh, uh, speak to her, Lord, uh, and uh, give her the comfort that she needs in the loss of the love of her life uh, with Randy. We miss him so much, Lord, and we pray, Lord, that you would just help us to uh, pick up the slack, Lord, because uh, he not only helped me to uh, Pastor Sondra, Lord, but he was so much involved with the things that uh, uh, doings here at the church Lord and um, pray Lord God that you would uh, uh, comfort uh, Pastor Sandra and also Lord we hold up to you her leg with his operation pray Lord that you would guide the surgeon's uh, scalpel Lord as he does what is necessary to make the repairs and that nerve in his her uh, leg Lord God and uh, Lord, we know it's going to be more pain. Lord, she's suffered so much. Lord God, but Lord, uh, Lord, we know that she's responded in the positive way, Lord, and it's drawn her closer to You. Lord, I pray for uh, Susie's friend Worth, Lord, with his eyes. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that You would touch those eyes, Lord, that they would function normally. And uh, Lord, I also pray uh, for his spiritual need, Lord, if he's not saved, Lord, I pray that you'd take um, Susie and just use her, Lord, in a mighty way to lead worth to uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray for uh, Dolly's uh, older sister, Nit, Lord, who's had her foot, the front of her foot removed because of diabetes. Lord, pray for healing for that, Lord. We pray for a prosthetic uh, extension to be added to that, Lord, so that she would be able to walk normally. Lord, pray for healing. Lord, we also pray for her salvation too, Lord, that she would find you and know you in a personal way. We pray for our beloved uh, uh, child Aidan, Lord, who's broken his arm and it's not healing upright. So, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you'd bring healing to that uh, arm. Lord, as he goes to the uh, specialist, Lord, maybe this week, I pray in Jesus' name that you would give him wisdom on how to proceed. But, Lord, we pray that he might uh, receive healing as the longer this... Uh, Injury uh, nags on, Lord, the more it may affect him la- later in life. So, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for healing now. In Jesus' name. I pray for healing for Jewel after injuring her knee and not being able to walk very well. Pray the same thing for Dolly, too, Lord. Her knee's been giving her fits and also her back, too. Pray for healing for both of these uh, ladies now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Pray for jo- uh, John, uh, Dolly's uh, friend's husband. Lord, I pray that he, he would receive healing, Lord, for, from his stroke. And also for Tukata, uh, uh, Lord. Pray for this cancer to be <coughs> healed in her body, and I pray for salvation for both of the of this man and this woman too, Lord. Lord, we ask you that you would bring rain, and Lord, give us a steady amount. Lord, that it would uh, green things up here. So many of the people here are involved in the cattle industry, and you know how their cows need that uh, added... Uh, Grass, Lord, to eat, fresh grass to eat, and, uh, Lord, uh, fresh water to drink. Lord, fill up those wells, Lord, and, uh, uh, Lord, I pray that you'd uh, um, prosper this area. Lord, we look at uh, Lake Powell and see how far down it it, it is uh, gone, and also Lake Mead. Lord, this whole area needs an abundance of rain, Lord, and we ask for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, we ask for not too, too much at the, the same time that we would suffer from flooding. Pray for our country, Lord, our beloved United States of America. Pray for revival, Lord God. We haven't had a good Holy Ghost revival since the Jesus movements, you know, spearheaded by David Wilkerson and Chuck Smith back in the uh, 1970s. And Lord, we need to turn back again to you. And, Lord, this church has grown so cold. And, Lord, I think some of it is due this. We've become so worldly, Lord, and seeking, you know, temporal riches in this life, Lord God, and uh, uh, ease and comfort, Lord, and not relying upon you, Lord God, and making you first priority in our lives, Lord, I pray that you would help us to turn back, and Lord, I pray that you would forgive this nation for its sins, Lord, of uh, abortion, and Lord, the sexual immorality that's rampant, Lord God. So many young men, and even older men, Lord, have gotten bound up in this ungodly habit of pornography, Lord, and forgive us, Lord, for all of our sexual sin, Lord, the sexual deviations that are out there, and even being taught to young children, Lord, forgive us, Lord, for this. And Lord, our drug addiction and alcohol addiction, Lord, uh, substance abuse, Lord, uh, help us to turn back again to you, Lord, and live again by the precepts that are outlined in your word. And Lord, I pray that our leaders, those that are in positions of leadership, will rule by these precepts too, and past laws that are pleasing and glorifying in your sight. And Lord, if they refuse to repent, Lord, I pray, Lord, that uh, you would replace them by godly men in wisdom, uh, godly men of uh, your choosing, Lord God, and uh, let them follow you, Lord. Lord, I pray that they might be replaced maybe as soon as, Lord, the up-and-coming election that's coming in just a few months now. Lord, I pray for uh, intercessors to be raised up, Lord, that would stand in the gap. And, Lord, to help uh, uh, out of our own number, Lord, we would become serious, Lord, regard, in this regard, Lord, because it's written in your word that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then from heaven you will hear and forgive us for our sin and heal our land. Lord, our land desperately needs healing, Lord. And Lord, the forces of darkness, the external forces of darkness, Lord, manifested in the... uh, Nations that have chosen to be our enemies, Lord God. They're getting stronger and stronger, Lord God. And Lord, I pray that their hand would be stayed. Lord, I pray for Israel right now, Lord. I pray that you would protect them from uh, uh, the ungodly nation of Iran, Lord God. They say that they're godly, but their God Allah is not the same as the God of the Bible. Lord, they're worshiping a false God, Lord And uh, so, Lord, I pray that uh, your perfect will would be worked out in this situation. Lord, I know that you are going to protect your nation, Israel. Lord, you're not going to permit them to be destroyed. And Lord, I pray that your perfect will would be worked out on how that would be achieved. And Lord, give the leaders there uh, in Israel wisdom.